let's be honest. Being eco-conscious and caring about the environment is not always fun. If you love traveling, your passion may have come to a halt due to your bad conscience about the impact it has on our planet. And if you're a parent, like I am, who wants to raise open-minded, compassionate, global citizens who get to explore the wonders of the world and learn about different cultures, you probably face multiple dilemmas every time you plan a new holiday. What do you do when you try to combine being a responsible traveler with your desire to explore and learn together with your family? How do you find resources? What do you think about? How do you choose transportation and accommodation? You are now listening to Roaming Roots, a podcast for the eco-conscious traveler and adventurer who wants to explore the world in a mindful and responsible way. My name is Veselmer Klavnes Berge. I'm a sustainability advisor, geophysicist, futurist, and travel enthusiast. And I'm a mother. If you feel you're having many burning questions around this topic, I'm sure I have them as well. Through conversations with experts and from my own experiences, I will do my best to provide you and me with tips and tricks and actionable advice. And my aim is to empower us to explore the world, leaving only positive footprints. So let's do this. Let's go exploring together. Today, we're going to Asia. My guest is Jeremy Tran. Jeremy is the founder of Sainya, a company with a vision of helping travel and hospitality brands to get sustainability right. He also co-founded Asia Sustainable Travel Briefing, a newsletter that analyzes and advises professionals on building and growing sustainable travel brands in Asia. Welcome, Jeremy, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm very honored. And I know that I know that you're not sitting in Asia at the moment since it's your early morning and it's my early afternoon. So where are you based at the moment? Yes, I'm not in Asia, but um, I was born in Vietnam. My family is actually from southern China and uh, I'm actually currently in uh, southern California, okay. Orange County. So you're yeah. kind of splitting your time between... Uh... The two places, correct. Yeah. So I split my time between um, West Coast US and uh, Southeast Asia. I usually spend the later half of the year in Southeast Asia because um, no, my focus, my, my, my business focuses on that part of the world. Yes, and that's what we will uh, talk about. And I, as I told you, I, I want to spend as much time as possible talking about all the practical stuff, like how do we actually do this with sustainable travel? But first, yeah. could you just briefly uh, tell us about your background and why did you end up working with sustainable travel? It's a very good question. Thank you. So I have been in the travel marketing sector for over 10 years now. And um, up until the pandemic, I was working at a um, I was working at marketing agencies supporting corporate travel brands with their uh, outbound travel marketing, specifically on China. And, uh, and I realized that a lot of what I did at that time was, was very much about you know, how to increase the 
number of arrivals to certain destinations and uh, increasing the, uh, the bottom line for a business. And then when the pandemic hit, I realized that I realized that there was a lot more I could do with my ability and my capacity in, um, in the role of marketing professional. We all saw the impact of, um, of how you now we are staying at home and staying at home and then the nature was able to actually heal itself. You know, we saw images of the, of this, of, of, of the sea around Venice um, become all clean again yeah. and then fish start coming back to life and coming back to Venice, for example. And, uh, and I realized that, wow, okay, uh, I think we have as tourists have have made a very impact on the nature without without uh, without realizing it yes we're all appreciating the nature we're all appreciating uh, the environment and and uh, when we travel but we didn't really think about how uh, the impact and the consequence of our actions so i founded the business last year to support uh, to support brands as particularly destinations and hospitality brands on getting getting sustainability right by uh, integrating sustainable business practices into their operations as well as talk about it uh, in in a meaningful way with their with the target audience and and uh, and help them make the responsible travel decisions when they uh, when they when they travel mm. so i have so many questions about this actually but uh First, I think we have to just uh, put it into context that approximately 60% of the world's population live in Asia. Right. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, so, so what happens in Asia is obviously really, really important for, for our common mm -hmm. future. So could you give us an, a sort of an overview of the current state of sustainable travel in mm -hmm. Asia? And, and how has it evolved over maybe the last years? And also maybe since you're, you're splitting your time between the US and mm -hmm. Asia, how, are mm -hmm. there any differences? Yes, um, thank you so much for the question. So uh, Asia is a, is a massive continent mm -hmm. and uh, there are countries from uh, Japan all the way to Indonesia, to India, as well as, uh, as Afghanistan and Central Asia as well. So it's a very diverse uh, uh, continent and, um, and very diverse in terms of um, culture, history, mm -hmm. as well as landscape and geography. And uh, the differences are vast. Um, I was I was lucky enough to live and visit and visit multiple countries in Asia. In Asia, as I mentioned at the, at the top of the podcast, I was born in Vietnam, lived there until I was sixteen before I migrated to the U.S. with my family, and uh, I got to I got to understand um, Southeast Asia pretty well uh, as an adult as well as a child, and um, and um, the difference uh, the differences uh, between the U.S. and um, and so Asia, uh, in Asia in general, is huge. And particularly, I'm from the I'm from the West Coast. You, I live in the U, uh, U.S. West Coast, mm. which has a very strong strong legal policy uh, legal policy to support uh, to support uh, people and businesses make the right decisions when it comes to environment protection, reservation, so on and so forth. Certain countries, especially in the northeast uh, part of the of, of the of the continent, such, such as uh, Japan and South Korea, they have a stronger uh, legal framework around around that of environmental preservation and uh, and protection. 
and and we started seeing um, we started seeing government in in the South uh, in South Asia as well, particularly during the um, the pandemic. We saw the tourism uh, ministries in countries such as uh, Indonesia, Vietnam, as well as Thailand, um, talking about uh, quality tourism and how they wanted to attract more, um, how they want to build an environment to attract more responsible tourists to the country. Mm. And, um, and uh, so it's, it's, it's a so it's a path work in the region when it comes to when it comes to responsible tourism policy, and I, I'm very. But I, the, the thing is that, but thing is that since I started working um, my business, I have seen more uh, private sector more private sector players um, taking the lead on that front. Uh, to be honest, and because they they're they're a bit more agile and uh, they're able to. To, to be more to be flexible in terms of the services that they provide and how they can make the change to to increase um, their and the sustainability practices as well as um, as well as uh, influence their 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 consumer their target audience as well as their uh, their their partners and suppliers. Right. Would you say that you mentioned uh, briefly some areas, but can you think of, are there any specific destinations? Like you said, Asia is so uh, diverse, Mm -hmm. huge. Are there any specific destinations that are leading the way, would you say? And, And what would make them unique in that regard? Yeah. So, so there are a few places in the South Pacific area that I can think of uh, leading the way, uh, because they also happen to be in, in in a very in an area that is very vulnerable to climate mm. change and rising sea level. Yeah. And uh, and uh, for example, I know of um, I know of Palau Pledge, which is an incentive whereby travelers are um, making a pledge when they enter a country to. To, to to behave uh, a certain way, responsible way, to actually unlock access to very cool local uh, uh, local events and practices, and also actually get to spend time with uh, local communities that are actually not that not also available, um, they're not always available to uh, to travelers. So what did you call it? Pledge. The Palau Pledge. The Palau, Palau Pledge. Okay. That's correct. Great. I will correct. put that in the show notes. That's interesting. And I start and I start seeing other destinations, um, um, no, replicating the same mechanism and an incentive to uh, to encourage travelers to behave, uh, to travel more responsibly. So, um, Bali Pledge is uh, is also mm-hmm. uh, up and running, and um, and and <clears throat> which is which is very encouraging. Yes, um, you know. Because that is a very popular destination for at least a lot of Europeans and uh, yeah, many people. I I think absolutely yes. Absolutely. Can you share okay. some some lesser known sustainable travel destinations in Asia uh, that mm-hmm. that offer unique experiences to to tourists and also like they aim to minimize the negative impact on the environment. Let me think. Um, Lesser known destinations in Asia that aim to, 
I can think of a few. So there is um, there is this beautiful place in central Vietnam called Phong Nha Cave, which happens to be the largest cave, uh, natural cave, in uh, in the in Indochine Peninsula, mm-hmm. and. Um, It's a very beautiful place that not, not many people actually know of when you travel to a, to Vietnam. You should go to Ha Long Bay, which is a yeah. beautiful place, and and many people would go go to or Mekong Delta or uh, or uh, other parts of Vietnam. But Phong Nha Cave is special because um, it is lesser known, like you mentioned. And number two, it's very well protected, mm-hmm. and uh, it's very well protected, and um, not not everyone gets to go. Not even get to go because you need to apply for permit and you need to be on a guided tour, uh, and and the and the um, and the tour and and the tour is not um, it's not affordable to many many people uh, many travelers that can that they usually travel to Southeast Asia. So Southeast Asia uh, traditionally is known for. Uh, Affordable travel, yes. no shoestring travel. Yeah. But that place in particular is is very is very well managed, and also uh, only only they have a quota, daily quota of how, on how many people can can enter uh, can enter, and actually you have to do a guided tour. And if you look up the um, look up some photos of from your cave, it is stunning. It is stunning. You actually can uh, the tour gets you into deep inside the cave, and you can. Camp and sleep and 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 walk inside the cave for days. Wow! And uh, it's a very cool experience that uh, that not many not many people actually get to get to do. And that's actually on top of my list as well mm. as a uh, as, as 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 a Vietnamese. I haven't been to that place and I have heard so many great things about it mm. uh, from friends and and colleagues who have who have uh, who have done the trip. Mm. We all know that. What we eat has a big impact on the environment and choosing the right fuel, as in food, when traveling can lower your negative footprint a lot. My experience though is that unless you know exactly where to look, finding a place to eat is a challenge in itself and making sure that they have enough plant-based alternatives adds just another layer to that challenge. That's why I have a really helpful app in today's travel toolkit. It's called Happy Cow. And I would say it works almost like TripAdvisor. You can search any destination that you want to go or anywhere close to you, like nearby places. And the app will suggest places to eat and filter them on vegan, vegetarian or places with vegan vegetarian options. You can also filter on typo meal, opening hours and other things. This one has helped me a number of times in many different cities. I would love to hear from you if you know of similar tools that makes life easier being a mindful traveler. But this one is today's travel toolkit, Happy Cow. So when I when I mentioned then the the words re-influencing and de-influencing, could you share a little mm-hmm. bit about what what you mean with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, the trend uh, defluencing actually started in on on TikTok. Yes. And so a lot a lot of people were talking about uh, wanted to to push back on the overconsumption uh, trend that 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 we that we see on social media and brands and uh, brands and uh, companies are pushing. So much, so much uh, commercial and and uh, promotion on us to to buy more, to consume more, and then that trend happened to push back against it, and and then I started questioning. So if if uh, people are actually pushing back on overconsumption, can we start a trend to push back on overtourism? Mm. Overtourism meaning. Um, That means, as as many cases in Southeast Asia. So, for example, the 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 very popular uh, the beach uh, made made popular by the the movie The Beach, yes. starring Leonardo DiCaprio, um, was so popular with travelers, Asian, domestic as well international, when it when they come to Thailand, and it was so bad that the the uh, this coral reef started. Dying and mm. the wildlife and marine life uh, started dying, and then and then it's all was because you know people wanted to 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 visit that place because of what they saw mm. on social media because they they were influenced by what they saw on social media, and uh, and uh, my, the my, uh, Maya Bay had to close down for restoration, and they, op- they opened it again uh, during the pandemic. And now it's actually a bit more control, mm-hmm. but but it's still very popular. It's still very popular. So, 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 and then I started thinking, travel is still important for many destinations because that's actually the the one of the primary uh, source of income for many communities. And uh, as opposed to you no know, the influencing is talking telling people not to not to travel, but. Would be great to actually re-influence people yes. to places and lesser-known destinations or uh, places that actually need the you know tourist dollar more. For example, during the pandemic, I I I know quite a few. Actually, I, I went back to the Mekong Delta region. I went back to Vietnam in trend last just last year uh, mm. after the country opened again. Um, And I visited a few hotels in in the Mekong Delta region in Vietnam, and I met with independent hotel owners. They were they, they were telling me how devastating the pandemic was, and uh, and they didn't receive any uh, visitors at all mm. due to lockdown, due to international travel um, restrictions. And they just they they really need uh, tourists to come back, and the their businesses are so. Um, so well run, well run in the sense that they're family owned and they they take care of the land and and the area um, very well. And uh, but they're not then, but they are not you no know, on top of anyone's anyone's uh, travel travel uh, travel destinations at all. So how can we can we use the power of social media to redirect the attention of mm. travelers? To places that were negatively impacted by the pandemic, and 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 bring them back to um, to those destinations. So re-influencing instead of de-influencing. Yes, I like. Yes, it. correct. Yes, uh, re-influencing people to make better uh, travel decisions. Yes, just think of rethink about 
how they travel, where they travel, and and where where the dollar is is going. Over to my next question, which is uh, the practical advice. That would be one of them, I guess, that you you really think about where your money goes. Uh, do you have any other for people looking for ways to, they want to travel, but they want to do it in a better way? Where would you, where would you start? Um, I would start with, I would start with how you plan your travel. Mm. When you travel, you you start by you usually start by uh, being inspired by uh, images. Now we all do that now. Uh, we all get inspired by images and videos that we that we that we see on social media on the internet. And uh, yes, well, when you travel, I would say start. Yeah, if you have a destination, great. Uh, you can travel to Paris, which is one of the most popular places in in the world, or London. Go go wherever you want. You know, everyone. Uh, I I go back to I go back to the same place multiple times. But uh, but what I suggest you do at the very beginning is to look into you know, how you get there and where you're staying. These are the first two questions that mm. people usually ask themselves when they plan a a, a trip. So and um, how to get there. So you know, luckily, you, if you're in Europe, then you can travel by train, which is one of the lowest. Uh, Carbon intensive ways to tra- uh, to, to to travel, mm. but for, for us, you know, coming from a different continent, well, if we arrive in in uh, in Europe, think of flight direct. Number one, I know it's very, mm. it could be very expensive. Flying direct usually is less, um, it produces less carbon emission than flying with layover. Mm. And find trying to find a way to offset your carbon emission if you can, and you don't have to actually do it uh, with the uh, the airlines directly. You know, I know the Air France uh, offers that. Think of any other independent um, independent uh, carbon uh, carbon offset uh, agencies or companies that you can give money to to plant trees. Number one, right? Mm. How to get that. Number two, how to you know where, where to stay. Um, again, I've seen. Especially in Americans, and you, I, um, I'm, I was guilty of that too. No, I was guilty of that too. Using, accumulating a credit card points to travel uh, first, you no, know, business class, yeah. and and whatnot. But travel, 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 business class is traveling business class actually not as green as uh, no. economy class because no. yeah, because you take up more space in yes. a plane, right? Yeah. And so think of that as well. And then where you stay, people usually go to OTA, which is um, online travel agents, to book their hotels and accommodations. But think about think about um, if it would be worth it for you to to book directly with the hotels. Mm. The reason why I'm saying that is because when you book directly with the hotels, the hotels will not have to pay the commission to travel online agents. And that means they have um, they, they actually keep more money in their pocket yeah. when you pay them. And um, and that's number one. Number two is look at um, look look at um, independent hotel, family-owned hotels. You know, they're not. A lot of people think that you know um, those small hotels might not offer comfort and convenience and luxury that, that you might get from a chain hotel. You could not be more wrong, to be mm. honest with you. And uh, if you look hard enough, uh, if you look hard enough, there are those out there, and there are those hotels. Those hotels tend to provide you no know, warmer services because mm. it's their business and they would provide you uh, better service and that's that's a general experience i've had so far right 
And then, and then when you arrive at destination, think about where you visit and you know, what places you eat. So, and uh, where you visit is is important as well. Just practicing responsible travel behavior, like you know, um, I've seen when, for example, I one time uh, just to share this story with you. One time, I went. I was in Petra in in Jordan. It's a it's a it's a very long long walk from the gate to the monastery or the treasury. You know the the beautiful the beautiful temple. And uh, many people, many people, you know, up into riding donkey and horses. But yeah, yes, the, the, those services are there to help people less able to to walk uh, in the heat, mm. uh, in the desert. Definitely use use them, but then think about how those animals are treated as well. So yes. think, look, look around you, and then offer the service service provider that actually treat the animals fairly and humanely. And again, it's all about going, going, you no, know, just to be, be a bit more mindful as mm. well as more observant um, when you are at destination. See what what. What you can do to encourage the businesses to uh, to to be to provide you know, better and more responsible services to to the travelers. Yes. And uh, yeah, so those are some some of the top three things I can think of: how you get there, you know, where you stay, and also things that you do as a as a travelers uh, at a destination. Yeah, there's so many parts, so many things that I think the word mindful is very good. That you kind of you you stay conscious during your travel and think about all the different parts yeah, yeah. It, and it and it's hard to as a traveler when you're in a foreign country you don't speak the local mm. language you don't know uh where to look and who to ask but at the end of the day you know we all have like what we call gut feeling right when you know it's not good then don't do it if you're yeah. doubting yourself don't do it yes. and because because you will think about it because as a conscious person, you will think about it, and you, as a conscious person, you will think about the decisions that you made. And if it didn't feel right at the moment, it's it's probably not right. Yeah, and that's a good uh, good advice. I think we haven't talked about it, but but I like the the part about flying, or you you mentioned it actually when it comes to what you can do, because that is kind of the big very noisy elephant in the room you know the the, yes. the flights and uh -huh. it's it's uh, for for me for instance living in norway going to asia it would be quite a stretch to go there without flying you know that would be a expedition mm -hmm. uh -huh. uh, but also i think uh, within asia you mentioned it a little bit when you said that in europe it's easy for us to go by train uh, how is that in asia is it is it cheaper more convenient easier to fly between destinations or is is the train the infrastructure is that evolving so that it's easier to get between places yeah so um asia is vast right so um i could tell you train travel is definitely recommended mm. and highly encouraged in northeast asia so countries like uh, japan they have this you no know, beautiful know, this very on uh, beautiful train system called you know, uh, bullet train system as you as yes. many people know very on time very safe very reliable i've done it highly recommended mm. you you actually don't need to fly at all in japan from no. going from uh, from city to city it's i i i travel to Japan three times and and domestically when I 
travel from Tokyo to Kyoto. I, 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 I took the train. And that's, again, in, in South Korea, that's possible too. And, and China as well, mainland China, definitely. Uh, that, mm. that, the railway system in China is massive and uh, very fast and very reliable. I lived in China for six years and was able to, to, to take train. When I, when, uh, when I lived in China, I never, I never, I never took the fl a flight to travel from to Beijing because flights are notoriously late there mm -hmm. and trains are on time and it gets you from city center to city center. So yeah. it's, it's much way more convenient. And Southeast Asia, that's not the case uh, because of the geography of the region. So um, people rely a lot on low-cost uh, airlines in Southeast Asia. And um, but again, if you if you coming from Norway or Europe, you no, know, you're probably going to not going to just spend one week or two in Southeast Asia. If you go all the way there, I would suggest that you spend at least. If, month or a, mm. a two months in Southeast Asia yeah. and I and and uh, because the, the Southeast Asian countries are not are not big to be in with, begin with and there are there are ways that you that there are two providers that actually um, that allow you to bike across the Southeast Asia Peninsula from um, Ho Chi Minh City, my, my, my birthplace, all the way to Bangkok by bike. You know, you can oh. stop along the way uh, in, in, in Cambodia, for example, you can, you can stop in Cambodia and, uh, and even in Simrib, and, which is where the, where the Angkor temples are, yeah. and, and then all the way to Bangkok. There are ways you can do that as well. And uh, so that's by bike. And you get to actually travel more slowly, get to know the <laughs> excuse me, get to know the uh, the local communities and see see the sites and better as, as well. And then if you're in Bangkok, you know Bank Thailand is um, has a great railway network, so you can travel up and down the country from north to south by train. So I took a I took a train from Bangkok all the way to uh, to Kuala Lumpur, and not meant at that time not, not many actually wanted to to do because you know well we just spent the the train was quite slow to be honest with you and I spent I guess eighteen hours on the train but I actually enjoyed it. I was taking the train with with, uh, with local people. I was able to see the daily life and and how they actually use the train to commute on daily basis as well. So that was a great part. And mm -hmm. I step on the train, you know, it's and actually and uh, it's actually very very comfortable, very safe. Mm. And uh, you cross border by train as well from from, from Thailand to uh, to to Malaysia and vice versa. And um, yeah, so definitely recommend that. But then you no. Know, the islands in Southeast Asia, like the Philippines and Indonesia, are more difficult to navigate yeah. by train. Yes. And uh, in the subcontinent, South Asian subcontinent uh, in India, you can definitely travel by train as well. I've done that mm. in India, and uh, it's um, yeah, it's it's all it's all part of the, the experience. I think, as you say, to make it a, as part a part of the experience and a part of the journey, and you yeah, yeah you experience so much more. Uh, when you do that mm -hmm. yeah thank you i think we are approaching the end but but the final question what what are you what's your next big thing that you're working with at the moment and is there something that you would like to just share with the world i guess i can think of um let me think I can think of the current initiative that I'm doing. I'm 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 introducing Asia's sustainable travel change maker. Okay. Um, it's actually a series of articles that um, um, that highlight and honor 
passionate leaders who are changing the way we travel in the region. Mm-hmm. So um, we, because these are actually the unsung heroes that yes. um, not, not many, not many actually know about. Why they changing the way we travel? Because of what they do mm-hmm. with their business, with their organizations. To give you an example, I. Uh, I have interviewed a fair number of travel business leaders um, in the region, and uh, I have, I have completely, I've been completely blown away by their mm-hmm. passion and their dedication to make travel better for uh, for everyone. By that I mean they want travel to become a catapult to um, to make. To connect communities and, and travelers to to uh, to to facilitate cultural exchange and dialogue. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jeremy. And I will, of course, share all the the information about your company and your newsletter, which is really really interesting. A, a lot of great information. Good. Well, it's actually a B two B platform, yes. but uh, but I'm sure travelers can can benefit from reading it too. So yeah, I think so. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And you asked me questions that I never thought of before. So <laughs> it really, uh, that's really make me think for a second there, which I like, you know, which yeah. I like, you know. And uh, luckily, 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 I or I hope that I actually answer the questions that you asked. I, I think you had great answers, so that's, that's good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was, it's been fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really you. enjoyed the conversation. And that's a wrap. You can find all links and resources in the show notes at bycause.co. That is B-Y-C-A-U-S-E dot co. And if you're interested in all the resources I collect as I go along with this podcast project, you can find those at bycause.co slash resources. Until next time, happy green travels.